0: Oh, Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show and I'm your host Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co and we're back with David Reef, He is the author of The Reproach of Hunger, Food, Justice, and Money in the 21st Century, and he will be at the Miami Book Fair International live and in person at 1130 a.m. on Saturday, November 21st in Miami-Dade College's Wolfson Campus downtown. David, thank you so much for hanging in there and joining us on the program tonight. Oh, thanks for having me on. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself and about the, the new book that you've written.
1: I I mean, before talking about the book, I I suppose I should say I wrote two books about Miami. Really? uh, The Cuban community in Miami. Uh, Those were my, I guess, first and third books about, uh, really about Cuban Miami and the relation with with Cuba. And one's called Going to Miami, which I published, well, it's all a million years ago. One doesn't even like to think of these dates. (laughs) And another's called The Exile, and that was published in the early 90s. And so I have an old... Happy connection to Miami. I actually wrote the second of those books in the office of uh, Mitchell Kaplan's
0: bookstore in um, books, and books. Gables, books
1: and Books. Books and books. It wasn't quite the same site as it as those. <laughs>
0: it's a little different today. Go there,
1: but it. I would go out, do a lot of interviewing, and come back. and Mitchell was the dream, and gave me a kind of
0: place with a
1: you know uh, place to write, and and uh, so that's where the book was made. So. I'm always, I'm always happy to be back in Miami. Always feels a little bit
0: like home. Well, shoot, man. I mean, that's why we're the only in Miami show. We love those kind of stories. They should have shipped one of those books over to me so I could have taken a look. <laughs> I mean, you've re- actually written quite a few books. So,
1: oh, I've written a lot of books. And a terrifying number. You know, you, you after a certain moment, you, you you become yourself in inverted commas, and it's kind of a disaster. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I've written, I, I was a war correspondent. I, I started writing about the U.S. and particularly about the Hispanic U.S. and these two books about Miami. I also wrote a book about L.A. And then I kind of switched gears in the early 90s and became a kind of war guy. And for about 12 years, uh, you sort of named the catastrophic place, and I was reporting from it starting in Bosnia and then in Africa and then finally in Iraq uh, in the first year after uh, Saddam. So, uh, you know, I've 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 been a lot of different places, but
0: well, let's talk about that about for a trying second. Trying to figure out whether or not, with this fantastic increase in
1: global population and and climate change and all of these enormous difficulties that we're about to run into, you know, what what can be done and what we're not, we shouldn't be claiming we can do if we just out of pure optimism. So that's I, I was interested to hear the previous guest because I, as I listened to her and her enthusiasm and I, which I greatly admired, I thought, oh God, you know, now I come on being, you know, Cassandra the voice of doom, and so well, what can I said to your listeners, apologies for that.
0: No, that you know, honestly, we're we're alternating between hope and doom tonight. That's our theme. <laughs> 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 but in truth, in in very truth, um, we like to explore these serious issues and. And that's what we were talking about with Ronald Goldfarb earlier about national security issues, yep. um, and in light of the the Paris attacks, it's a very hot topic. So y- you were in Iraq during the the war era, during the birth of ISIS.
1: Well, they weren't. It wasn't clear at those days. I was just there for the first year, uh, basically. The, I came in about two weeks after uh, Saddam fell, was overthrown when this Baghdad fell. Um, And I I was in and out for the first year. I was working as a reporter then for the New York Times Sunday magazine, and I was in and out of Iraq that first year. I don't think any of us were clear about, you know, how terrible or how um, intractable the problem of ISIS would become. It it didn't look that way at the time, but, you know, we, we, the U.S., didn't make a very good job of the occupation, and uh, we may have left the door open for a lot of really terrible things. I actually have a daughter and a, an ex in Paris, uh, and uh, so as you can imagine, these last few days have been a little fraught for me, being on the other side of the Atlantic. Absolutely. Uh, everybody's fine, I should quickly say. Uh, but, you know, this stuff is global. dismiss the possibility of that out of hand. So it's uh these are rough times and uh you know one one wants to have a good time in in one's one and only life, but they are rough times, they just the same.
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh it's scary to think that it could happen at any time. Um I mean I can tell you that uh personally my spouse has been planning a trip to Paris. <laughs> oh, is that right? Well wow. yeah. Yo, yeah, <laughs> uh, let's say booking the tickets on Thursday, uh-huh. uh, you know, so well, it's it certainly impacted. I mean, this. it's
1: a big city, it's 3 million people, it was one neighborhood, etc., uh, etc., cetera, et cetera. and, you know, there were, uh, I live in New York, uh, you know, we, we, we in New York have bounced back, if that's the right word, it's probably too glib, uh, from 9-11. You know, so, you know, there's a, there's no joke that time is so everything happens, but space is so it doesn't all happen to you. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it's there's a, you know, the, the, the chances are the next attack won't be Paris, it'll be some other unexpected place. But, you know, the world has a lot of problems, and it's not clear that, frankly, that we know quite what to do about them. Uh, that's a, I mean, that is a totally non-partisan statement. It's
0: Well, nobody has all the answers. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be a pretty boring world, don't you think?
1: Uh, let me put you this way. I don't think there's any chance of that, so we don't have to worry about the boredom factor. Uh, that's, uh, but, you know, we have all these things facing us. I mean, I wrote this book about hunger in part because there are going to be there's 7 billion people in the world in 2050. There will be 9 billion at a conservative estimate. You know... A lot of places are getting richer. Some places are getting poorer. How are these extra two billion people? I mean, going to be? Are they going to be fed? Uh, you know, you look at the European migration crisis of the last year or two, and you say to yourself, "Well, if global warming really got out of hand, uh, this what's happening now, and it's enormous, will will seem like child's Certainly, Miami a city I love and that I've spent a lot of time in. But you know, if the if the sea levels rise,
0: um, things are going to get tough. And, Who you know, knows if the sea levels rise too high? We're going to all be getting in our boats and going to Cuba to live in the mountains.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you see, you could read. Well, Miami and Havana have always had this symbiotic relationship. I mean, that's one of the things I about in the two about Miami. I come back to Miami as often as I can and. And love the
0: city, and but you know, it's got to be above water. I mean, uh, well, we're one of the few cities, when you think about it, that has experienced migration crises due to man-made environmental destruction, and I'm speaking very specifically about Haiti. Absolutely, which has experienced such a significant level of deforestation that at this point, even a rainstorm causes uh, massive amounts of death. I mean, we're talking about. As many people dying in a rainstorm as they do in Paris from guns.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, the, if you're talking about no, the numbers in Paris. I, I mean, you don't want to play these kind of games. I mean, 130, 140, 150 people. What is it going to end up to be killed and
0: and 300 plus injured which and sounds...
1: terrified and traumatized for life? Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, you don't you don't want to say. understate that in any way or or downplay that in any way, but it's true that haiti has suffered you know in the last what is it 20 30 40 years not just the earthquake but all these other things
0: well the earthquake got much, a lot of attention like, you know
1: haiti's like job <laughs> uh even when the u.n came i mean one of the ghastly stories about haiti i mean so sad you are reading something biblical is the u.n comes in after the earthquake there's a battalion of u.n troops on a hillside they're nepalese in fact and they bring cholera to haiti haiti was haiti's had pretty much every affliction known to the americans but the one affliction it didn't have was cholera and then the u.n occupation brings that as well so you know when it's true that when you look at it from that perspective uh very scary and 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 very tragic and uh look i also think miami in my opinion at least i was in cuba in may i was in miami and in, in havana in, in may and you know a lot of people are going to come it, it may not be like mariel but it it's it's going to be a lot of people coming north i everyone in cuba always used to say well will the cuban americans come back and try to take their property back etc but I, think the likelier outcome is just a lot of folks on the island who will think, why shouldn't I live in Miami? It's my one and only life.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, the great question that we always have is, will people go in the opposite direction? Will people want to migrate back to Cuba after their... If people
1: were ret- you know, If you want my guess, I mean, we're a long way from the book Ostensibly I am supposed to talk about, but I'm always happy to talk about Miami, so... It's up to you. But my view is people will retire there. Uh, and but, the, but, you know, will people, are there going to be the kind of opportunities uh, for young people or even middle-aged people to go there? Will they prefer to come to South Florida, which is, you know, apart from the environmental threat, in pretty great shape?
0: Well, David, we're going to take a very short break and bring it back, all right? Absolutely. Uh, We're speaking with David Reef. He's going to be at the Miami Book Fair International discussing his latest novel, which is The Reproach of Hunger. And you can find him uh, this Saturday,
1: I believe. This Saturday in uh, Building
0: 8, I believe. Building 8. So check it out. You can find out a little more at miamibookfair.com. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show.
1: the master beat yeah I keep this in my treat I'm from Miami or it could be the city of heat I wanna rock right now thinking of hard rock guitars and I'm
0: about to get down you
1: could be yourself come out to support live music in Miami schools this Saturday the second annual Choose Your Sound Benefit concert presented by the Miami Marlins this Saturday November 21st from 7 to 11 at the Fillmore for tickets check out www.guitarsoverguns.org that's www.guitarsoverguns.org, that's www.guitarsoverguns.org.
0: Sweet
1: home Miami That's where you can find me This is who I am This is what I'm
0: made of This is what I am Welcome back this is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we're back with David Reif. He He's the author of The Reproach of Hunger, and he'll be at the Miami Book Fair International in downtown Miami's Wolfson campus of Miami-Dade College this saturday november 21st at eleven thirty a.m you can find them in room 8525 that's building eight third floor david thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight Sure, it's a pleasure. so uh there's been a lot of discussion about these sort of issues the 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 change of climate and whatnot with syria as one of the crises or one of the root causes of you know the crisis in syria the refugee crisis is there any pertinence to that? Is that sure? Something?
1: I mean, look, very the the weather in sub-Saharan Africa, particularly you know the part where the Sahara, you know, between the Sahara and, and midway down, and uh, in the Middle East, and North Africa, and the Near East, including Syria, these are places that are suffering greatly from both population increase. Global warming, and there's no doubt that if you know if resources become scarcer, people, uh, you know, people feel imperiled. People feel endangered, and I, I certainly think there's some effect. I mean, the proximate reason for the war in Syria is not environmental. I mean, the proximate reason is this dictatorship that refused to change and repressed a peaceful. I mean, they, they it, fought it you know, with bombs and guns.
0: War. Yeah. Not just repressed, but fought with bombs and guns.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so now in Syria, there are probably 300,000 people who have probably been killed, presumably double double or triple the number who have been wounded, and 11 million people out of the 22 million people in Syria are displaced. Either they've left the going to Europe now, uh, or they're in camps in Jordan and Turkey and neighboring states, or they've just been displaced within Syria. Uh, so the whole country is been destroyed, and it's not clear But I think wars based on environmental questions are absolutely uh, part of what the future holds. I mean, I don't want to be apocalyptic because lots of good things will happen, too. But a lot of bad things are going to happen, and a lot of them are going to be related to climate change, in,
0: in my view. anyway. Well, how is it that philanthropists who you know, do have virtually unlimited resources compared to the common man— can make a difference to impact things and how is it that they are saying or trying but not making that impact
1: well listen i mean a lot of what philanthropists do is very good uh and you know if we live in a real world and it, i i don't want to you know knock what they do in a in a in a sense that it makes it sound as if i think that their intentions are bad or that The matter is that uh, you know people who've made a lot of money, maybe they've done it out of you know because they're brilliant. I, I you know some people some people make money do so because they're extraordinary. Some people do it because they get lucky. Uh, probably some people do it because they're criminals. But uh, you know, let's just talk about the
0: philanthropists who've done it because yes, let's stop judges. talking about the state's they're government. Let's like talk Gates. about the philanthropists. Bill Gates,
1: Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, it's the biggest foundation in the world spends about $2 billion a year. It has, with Warren Buffett's gift, something like $40 billion in assets, um, you know, from which to disperse, uh, you know, grants. But nobody elected Bill Gates to anything. I mean, at least if you don't like what Barack Obama does, you know, I don't say American democracy is perfect, but far from it. But at least you could say that, you know, Politicians are accountable to voters. If Bill Gates found Jesus tomorrow... I mean, Bill Gates is one of the crucial figures in the development world, in the anti-poverty fights. But if Bill Gates tomorrow, uh, you know, found Jesus and decided all his money should go to some evangelical church, uh, I know it's a counterfactual, but bear with me. Uh, okay. Nobody could stop him. Not, not His money... If he wants to be a philanthropist, he's a philanthropist. If he doesn't want to be a philanthropist anymore, he's not a philanthropist. This doesn't, as they used to say in my youth, seem a very good way to run a railroad.
0: Well, Uh, you know, Bill Gates didn't get all of his money by being Mr. Nice Guy. He got all of his money by creating a predatory competitor um, who thrashed the competition and and earned a pile of cash. Yeah, Um, and
1: if he wants to give some of it back, God bless him. But And I certainly don't. I agree with you, I, I think. You know, the Microsoft, uh, let's say, they they went pretty close to the line ethically if they didn't cross over it. I mean, most, I don't know enough to have an opinion, but my people who do know, the people I know who seem to know something about Microsoft generally think they behave very badly in a lot of different ways. But, But, look, okay, there was a French writer in the 19th century who said, behind every great fortune lies a great crime. And let's say, for the sake of argument, all the money is being put to good use. I mean, should it be up to one guy who made a lot of money under dubious circumstances to decide how the world is going to work? Uh, I mean, that would be my question. I mean, my answer,
0: frankly, is no. Well, in countries where the state is much stronger, for example, China, isn't the same thing happening anyway? It's just the state is sponsoring these people. You know what you're about China
1: of is. China, I mean, it's a it's a loathsome government, and they're incredibly repressive, and they, you know, if you try being an artist... I mean, your previous guest was talking about all these wonderful-sounding artists. I'm afraid they're not people I know about, although when I come down to Miami on Friday, I'm going to do my best to get a fast education in them. But, but uh, you know, the Chinese government is atrocious, and if you were an artist or if you were a journalist... government things, you, know, you, you that that's a very risky thing. On the other hand, having said all that, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, China has brought, the Chinese economy has led to more people being brought out of poverty than probably any other time in human history. So it's always so complicated. I mean,
0: <laughs> let me tell right. you, I'd
1: love it to be simple, but doesn't make my job as a writer very easy, but you know, that's, that's, that's
0: part of what it's about, I guess. Well, maybe that's what keeps people reading, that's, right? I'm sure that's right. So, David, where can our audience find more about your works online?
1: Well, I, I mean, uh, if people want to know what's in my... I, I used to have an old boss. I used to be a book publisher who used to refer to his alleged mind, and uh, I... I'm, I'm what I'm thinking about. I do on Twitter. It's just at David Reef. But uh, you know, I write a lot for the Nation magazine in New York. Uh, I write a bit for the New York Review of Books. I I write for different people. If, if, if you Google me and just say you know David Reef on hunger, or for that matter, David Reef on Miami, you'll you'll find more references than than you'll even want to follow up. <laughs> but it'll tell you.
0: And for our audience, that's David, R-I-E-F-F, David Reef. And um, do you have a website that you'd like to share? I don't, actually. But I I should, but I don't. No, no, no. Listen, I I understand. People ask me for my business card. I just say Google me now.
1: Yeah, well, I'm with you on that one, let me tell you.
0: (laughs) And... uh, you know our audience who would like to find out more and meet you in person, uh, you can meet. Well, them. I'm
1: there. I mean, I'm giving this little talk at, at you know the Wolfson Campus. as You were kindly saying uh, on 11:30 uh, on Saturday, and then there's a book signing after, and I'm doing a few things as well. Anyway, I'll be around for the weekend. I mean, Miami's second home to me, so I'm always happy to be around. If anyone wants to talk to me, I won't be hard to
0: find. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show.